to the Matt Listalia Show. Here this week, we are going to be talking about a few things that, well, to be quite honest, there are a few things that I kind of hope make you a little uncomfortable. Um, so, one of the things that I had come across uh, was, and that I keep coming across, is this idea of of failure right and and we've talked about failure on this on this show more than a handful of times and it's uh and and it's importance and you know in any any sort of baseline resilience coach or um specialist is is going to be able to tell you the same thing and um and and how important it is and and one of the things that i actually like to relate to this is the idea of courage um and fear is and and i th- i think about these things and and how they're related because because fear is such an integral part of of failure and and how it kind of plays into it um when you think about why why is failure not great why why are we why do we not like failing? Um, we're, we're, we have fear of it, right? There's a, there is, it it, ta- it requires a certain amount of courage to try something that is not guaranteed to to produce um, positive results to for you to be successful, um, and and in this day and age, something that we have we're able to do is we're able to build and structure our lives in such a way that we are comfortable and we are removed from from fear and we're removed from failure when we're young we try to build and and i know when when i was a kid growing up we were i was put into situations where failure was not only a possibility and not only a probability but it was an inevitability when you think about sports specifically when it comes to this uh you think about you know like you're not going to play the the, any sport you're not going to compete against anybody else uh, in an in an obvious kind of outward competition over and over and over again and be successful every single time it's just not gonna happen um so it's so it requires courage right and 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 you can't and that's one of the beautiful things is that you cannot have courage you cannot be courageous if fear doesn't exist like if 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 it's easy to do or if it doesn't induce a sense of fear if there's not a uh the potential for for failure or for misfortune then it doesn't require courage it's just it's they don't they don't work without each other it's this very symbiotic relationship and it's actually i see a similar relationship between uh winning and losing or failing and and winning um and when i think about it in the sense that you people tend to avoid things as as you progress through life and as you as you get to a a place where you're pretty decent at at something it's not uncommon for us to avoid doing things that we're not great at because it will very likely result in a failure and we're so used to those wins we're so used to to going to work and 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 we're good at work and and it's we're successful and we've done great things and so we show up and we want to we we are able to perform in a way that's that's a, a higher level but branching ourselves out of the normal capacity in what we do and and not even saying that you need to do so in work, but thinking like outside of work, if you want to go, who picks up a new hobby at forty five years old? You know, it's it's um, especially one like you'll see it when when 
it's not in front of people, right? You'll see it when people want to um, like start woodworking. But like when think about somebody who wants to start um, participating in an event that is viewed upon by many people and your failures will be obvious and not tucked away in the corner of your garage because you can't put a table together. Not speaking from personal experience, of course. <laughs> I have successfully made a cornhole board game that was pretty freaking good pretty good the only the only thing i think i needed to do to make it better was to lay uh the polyurethane polyurth yeah the the stuff to make it smooth <laughs> on the top um but i said that it turned out really good um but yeah so it's that's a that's a kind of thing that's it's fun and it's good and you actually see a fair amount of people kind of picking up stuff like that because it's nice to to get good at working at something with your hands and it feels good to create something with your hands um especially from essentially nothing or from a bunch of raw materials but the point that i wanted to get to is that you know not attempting these things not attempting woodwork and not attempting to play a sport and not attempting to get in front of a group of people um, to convey your ideas, not doing those things and thus not doing them poorly does not make you great, right? That's a, there's a key distinction there. Not failing does not equal winning. And so I want to kind of dive into this. I know that we've talked about it before and we've talked about this. And so if you've, if you're listening, if you're a long time listener of this show, you're probably listening right now. Like, yeah, man, we've talked about this. I get it. And it's when I bring stuff up again, it's because it really, really matters. There's, there is a, uh, there's an underlining kind of fundamental importance. And it's something that I see that is kind of robust in our society and I and I, I want to make sure that for all of the new listeners that that continue to come in, that you you are not missing out um, on some of the old material as well. So I want to make sure that we kind of rehash some of the old stuff. But when we do, we do so in a manner that is beneficial for everybody. That is that's brings to light new ideas. And so what I wanted to do wanted to do today was. To start with this concept, but to break it down a little bit, and then we'll shift from there, and you guys will see how we go. Um, so, baseline idea, right, is failure and winning, right? And, and winning isn't the lack of failure, right? It's, it's something else. And so let's start off with a really basic idea. In order to win at anything, ever, you must first play like you have to show up you have to participate there's there's no there's <laughs> you can't even get a participation trophy if you don't show up <laughs> so um so that's that's like number one and that's kind of what we just touched on right is that you you have to you have to participate now i want to back up uh, hopefully that didn't mess things up too bad oh you son of a biscuit Now I want to back up like one inch from there and I, I want to take some time to identify kind of uh, what winning is, right? And so, so when I did, when I was kind of devising the, 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 the game plan for today and what it is that I wanted to talk to you guys about, I, I asked myself, like, what is winning? I was like, well, let's start with a, a baseline. If someone were to just Google what, like winning definition, win definition, and it's, it was very much exactly what you would think right it's be successful or victorious and then like parenthetically after that in a contest or conflict right and so what i wanted to kind of extrapolate from here what i want where i wanted to go with this is that this isn't necessarily dealing with or defeating another person i would contend that the baseline for any victory for any real win, the first victory that has to happen has to actually happen within. Um, it's And so when I think about it that way, when I, when I wrote down my definition of winning, it was performing at a level above and beyond a certain expectation. 
And to me, that's winning. It's and that that is the the kind of winning that I would assign the definition I would assign assign to that personal internal winning. And then it's also it continues to be true as you expand out our our scope to a more broad um, when you start competing against other people, when you start competing in a group against other people. Um, it continues to remain valid, but it does it's not necessarily wholly complete. But I think it's a really good baseline to start with inside of our minds, which is where uh, you and I spend a lot of time, let's be honest. <laughs> and so um, this is versus yourself. And it's um, you prove to yourself that you are capable of doing something that you said in your mind previously or at some point that you weren't capable of doing or that you weren't sure that you were able to do. And so um, this could be all sorts of things. This could be uh, running. This could be, you know, I didn't, I, I can't run 10 miles, man. I can't do that, you know. And then and then you put yourself together a plan. You get yourself, a, you know, um, some motivation and, and you work through and you set yourself up. And we, we can talk about goal setting and all that. That's not really the purpose of today. And so let's say you do, you go through the steps and, and then you do, you do that. You run and you run and you run and you build up until you're able to run 10 miles. And that is, that's a win, right? And it, it had nothing to do with anybody else. It had nothing to do with being observed. Um, but it's, you performed at a level above and beyond the expectation that you had for yourself. Um... And so then we move on to the next level of winning, right? And this is versus another individual. And so this is a one-on-one, and this can be in any arena again. Uh, And what we had kind of tapped on this before, but one of the things that I wanted to make sure to hit on is that this, this this starts with you versus you. And then... It adds in as a combination factor of you versus the other, right? And this, like I said, and this could be physical, like so it could be sports, it could be wit, um, intelligence, problem solving, you know, whatever. It's but it's these are different examples of like of that type of competition, right? And we're, and we're just right now we're still trying to figure out what winning is, and so we're talking about winning in these different categories and competing in these different categories. And so then you have versus another team, and so now. This is you and a team versus another team, another group of individuals. And again, this could be like, you know, um, uh, my head immediately goes to sports a lot. So I think about like football and basketball and soccer. Um, But then there's actually different types of teams, right? Where it's kind of the combination. Excuse me. It's kind of the combination of the individual and uh, the team where... I know a, a, a popular one for this would be uh, swimming is a great example. Michael Phelps was on a swimming team, but he performed individually. But the, the culmination of the team, um, like at meets, I don't really know how it works in the Olympics. I just know that he was rocking golds for days. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know if there was a team aspect to the Olympic swimming um, arena or events. But I know that the uh, I know that for me in wrestling, which is another Jesus, me in wrestling, which is another great example, is actually uh, it, it works really well here because you can win your match, but your team can still lose against the other the other school that you're competing against or the, the other organization. Um, so that's just kind of a cool combination of the one and team versus, but it, it could be anything. This could be you you have two teams in the office who are trying to pitch their idea of what we think, you know, the course of action that we want to take next, and the boss is going to choose one, right? And so this kind of flows right into the, the next aspect that I wanted to talk about with this, which is the implications differ, right? Because there's winnings for winning's sake, and that's sports, right? When you think about it, there's nothing changes when you win a game, you know? Like, nothing tangible outside of yourself. Like, you can look at your friends, and you guys can have pride in your teammates and stuff, and, and you get bragging rights, and, I mean, shit, if you go to, go to the professional level, um, what changes 
when a team wins the Super Bowl. God. What changes when a, win, when a team wins the Super Bowl? Nothing, right? Like, now you could say that they have, well, um, they, their team now has more money. They now have more clout. There's more people that they can recruit. All of these different things improve. Um, when they, with all this money that came in, they're able to hire better coaches. And, and but all of this kind of goes to the same end, right? What's being produced, and it's just a chance to compete again next year, um, and not necessarily anything outside of itself it's um so it's so it's like self-fulfilling and it's and it's winning for winning's sake and it's not to take anything away from it it's still great it's a great victory it's just a matter of um identifying the fact that there that is that is one implication of a type of competition um it's not like the super bowl champs are coming in and sitting on the board determining the rules for the next year you know you don't have uh, <laughs> or the, or like determining law for the city like oh but they're the super bowl champs you know like they obviously they're the top athletes and and so they get to tell us that green traffic lights are now going to be blue traffic lights because they're the best at playing football <laughs> right and so there's not the implications are kind of internal um now there's winning influence and this goes to the idea of the meetings, right? So when you think about um, you're, you're in the office and you're on a team and you're coming up with a pitch and you're trying to, to out-compete another team, um, there is there are implications, right? You're, you are establishing more respectability and a reputation for yourself and for the members of your team and and, be, and which you can do even if your your pitch isn't taken as the course of action for the company that's still if you if you show up and you perform well they're like wow that was really good you know like i think that this is better but like i see i see you and well done like i'm not gonna they won't forget that they won't forget that type type of performance and the type of presentation when you when it's locked when it's tight um shoot that in and of itself might give them more confidence to just put you in charge of something because of your professionalism and because you were you performed at such a high level um and so it's an interesting concept but then you know if you do win then that's that changes the that could change the course of the company that could take the company in another direction that it wasn't going in before and so that's that's influence you're winning personal influence by your by your personal performance and you could potentially be winning further influence in in the the like the 50,000 foot view of the business where you're where you see the direction that the business is going uh, and then there's winning power you know and that's something as it's pretty straightforward right um dic dictators uh, probably not so much of the winning <laughs> as the taking, but um, and here in the U.S., like we're about to have the elections, the national elections for president, and um, so there, there's there's an uh, an example of winning power. So from there, if we take a, a a tad step forward, why is it important? Why is winning important? Then is you know, and and so touching on that. It's there's 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 layers to it, right? And so you have individual import, right? And it, within there, that's that's crucial. Again, this, this it starts with a battle in your mind that then goes and spreads outward. So individually, for you, the importance of winning, and and I would actually contend to say this is the importance of competing is pride um is the the pride is is crucial and, and and pride gets a bad rap because typically when we're talking about pride it's in a negative manner where we are saying that oh you know he's 
he's you're too prideful and and that's just you know you're braggadocious and this that and the other but the thing is any quality product that you use any brand that you really like exists in that manner because of pride right if you really love your iphone you really love your mac those things exist at that quality level Those things exist at that quality level because of pride, because that the the founders and the originators had pride in what they were doing, and they instilled that pride into the other people that they worked with and, and their employees, and that distribution of pride just, it, it feeds itself directly into the product, you know, like you're, you have some crap product that you're building a million of. You're like, okay, whatever, we just got to get them out. There's not as much pride there. Um, you might have, have pride in the way that you lead your employees and stuff, but the product itself isn't isn't great, and there's not a lot of pride that goes into that necessarily. But the better the product is, the more time you put in, the more effort that's required to make it better. And if you keep working at making it better, you're working at making it better because you, you want to have pride. You want to walk away and be like, yes, this is mine. I've created it, you know, and other people can see that. And then that goes directly into the next aspect, which is like the quality of production, right? When you're, when you have pride and it, it and we're looking at the reason why that matters, it's because that pride will re result in a higher quality product um than before and so that's it and that goes it all ties back in to winning and competing um and in when you win or when you compete admirably and respectably um you make yourself more desirable um on multiple aspects you know as as a role model if you're competing at the highest echelons and you're doing so really well and, and you know think about I think about like a boxer who who goes into the ring and steps toe to toe with Tyson um and and stands 12 rounds you know with him toe to toe and they're both beaten and battered Rocky's a great example um him and Creed when they when they fought at the end of the first movie they were Rocky lost if I remember right, it was 1976, man. It was before I was born. <laughs> and so, uh, when you think about when you think about that fight, though, if you're familiar, I'm pretty sure that Rocky actually lost that fight. But it was uh, it was so competitive, and he fought so well, and he stood up that he was highly sought after and very desirable after that fact because he competed at such a high level so again this kind of goes stepping up delineating a little bit from the importance of winning to the importance of competing at the best that you possibly can and this makes you again makes you fair it's it instills higher level levels of pride in yourself which results in a, in a higher quality of production or output or performance um and makes you more desirable which then automatically expands your sphere of influence right your your ability to make change and your ability to 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 impact people period i was going to say positively but positively or negatively um expands by that because you you've asserted yourself kind of as a role model and um um for for other people whether you know it or not when you're competing and you're doing so well and you're doing it at and you keep going and going and going, um, and you you move yourself to a new level, and you're competing at higher levels, then people notice, and they notice what you're doing. They're like, I I like what he's doing. Like that's that's really impressive. I I I want to be like that. And then we expand kind of outside of the individual import, and we look at. Um, 
this like the societal import right so we we look at uh this this gets back to the competitiveness but now we're we're going outside of the competitiveness with yourself and it's what does your quality production of an item do to other people in the market so now i'm kind of shifting more to like a business kind of mindset but you can still use it with sports or with any of it and so if you or say it's a football. If you if you start performing really really well in your division in football or in your conference, it's going to push your other teams around you to want to compete harder because they know that 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 rivalry is there, or you know they're going to play you multiple times, and so they've they've really got to step up against you. And if they if they see you doing well and they're able to knock you off, then they're going to get more um, reputable and and be looked at a little bit differently and given a little bit more respect. Um, it's the same thing with products. Like if I if I go into a marketplace and I'm and I devise a product that's better than the one that was there before, that's gonna do some that's gonna that is going to create an effect on the people that were making it before I joined the market space. Um, they're either gonna not do anything, which will eventually result in most likely the dissolution of their company because they're not competing at the same level as us, or we split the market share, which is going to going to reduce their income um or they go back and they're like okay well they came in and they're doing this like how do we get better than them and that creates an even better product for people to buy or they look for ways like listen we can cut costs here here and here and maintain quality and so now we can get this product out and we can undercut them by producing something that's of equivalent quality but for a lower price all of which benefits everybody else right <laughs> so um there's my little plug for capitalism um it's so, yeah i mean that increases quality increases availability it's you know it's it's all of this so this is this is why winning matters and this is why competing matters and it's because it it pushes us to be better than what we are you know if we're not willing to compete if we're not willing to to subject ourselves to potential failures we're never going to we're never going to grow there's literally when we're growing up we have growing pains our body is experiencing pain in its development and its physical expansion and so Anytime that you grow, there's going to be um, moments of discomfort, you know, if not wholly discomfortable, uncomfortable in and of itself. Um, there will at least be moments because growth, mental and emotional growth um, requires, well, it requires you to know that you don't know everything, right? And sometimes you can enter into a situation knowing that, which makes it less painful, um, but you still have to confront your current beliefs with with things that contradict that, and that can be that can be painful. Other times, that stuff comes up and smacks you in the face because you're operating under a premise that isn't necessarily the most accurate or or the best, and that comes up, and and then your growth from that is is extra painful um and so the the key there i think is that and to to this kind of whole point is if you are the if you are the type of person who avoids those types of things on your own and only only experiences them when they're thrown in your face you're gonna have a much harder time dealing with it because you're not used to it it's the same thing um when we talk about courage going back to that analogy is that if i'm afraid of something and i go and start doing if i start learning about it and learning about it and talking to other people that do it think about public speaking i start talking to a bunch of people that public speak and they and they give me hints and tips and tricks and i read books on it and then i start you know i start speaking i start communicating my ideas um who knows maybe i start online and or, or maybe i start with with my wife or my husband and, and you know it, it gives me a chance to kind of just say the things that i'm thinking out loud and then i do that and i'm like and i start to get comfortable and confident like oh, okay and then and then i start telling a couple people around the water cooler when that was a thing before covid <laughs> and uh and i tell them 
you know, and I'm, and I'm starting to get a better feel. And each time I'm getting more confidence, I'm building up slowly over time because I'm taking positive action towards that and putting myself and as i increase and as i change you know when i bring the idea up to my to my significant other to my friends i'm i'm putting myself out there for potential failure they might bring up some ideas like oh my gosh i never even thought about that and i was so confident going into there (laughs) now i feel dumb like that's that's an absolute possibility and that but that's how you grow oh that's a really and it's a really good idea it's a really good point and so then it's up to you to choose kind of you know how do you respond in the face of that like is it Oh no, I'm hardened in my positions. Like, or do you do you take in that information? And the, the thing is, the more that you do it, and the more that you take in all of these different points of view and all these different perspectives, the more well-rounded your perception is going to be. The more, even if you don't agree with what people are saying, understanding their point can really help you to to discuss that in a more effective manner. So. The point is, if you continue to subject yourself, you continue to put yourself in positions where you could potentially fail, you absolutely continue to put yourself in positions inherently in in positions of, of growth. Like You will grow. And when you're doing that, it's, it's much easier to address and, and to handle and to use obstacles coming at you as, as opportunities, as more of like... So if I think of a, a boulder blocking my way, you know, in a path, I'm like, oh man, I can't go that way anymore. Like, oh, you know what? Instead of looking at it that way, maybe I go up. Maybe I go up the boulder. And it's like I've created this whole new pathway that where I'm actually higher up than I was before. I'm on a whole new level because of this obstacle that was there. I've turned it into something else. And it's really hard to do that when your perspective is, I'm always walking the easy path. I'm always walking the easy path. I've, I, oh, I can't go that way. Let's go this way. Okay, I'm walking this path, and there's no there's no obstacles in my way. Oh, no, now there's a big boulder in my way. What do I do? Well, it looks like I'm stuck. You're not used. Your brain isn't in the type of, of headspace to, to perceive that obstacle as anything other than an obstacle. And so that's that's really tough. And... And that's where I wanted to take this and kind of step into uh, um, something a little bit different, right? I want to look at the concept of unfair advantages because I think that this is something that's that's been coming up a lot, and I've always I just see it as kind of a silly type of an argument, right? And so we want to compete. And we want to win, right? Because that that increases all of the things we've talked about before. It increases our pride. It increases quality of production and performance. Makes you more desirable. It expands your influence. Um, it can it creates better products uh, in, in the marketplace. When we think about the business side of things, uh, increase quality, increase availability. You know, lower prices. All of these things happen um, when we compete. And so now imagine you, you're you really, really good at something naturally uh, and you're, you, you feel bad for using the things that you're naturally good at. Or th- think of it less like uh, skills and think of it um, because I think that natural ability is actually really, really low on the importance level of high performance. Um, let's think about things that you can't really control. So think about coffee, okay? So think about this. Think about um, in Colombia, there's a reason that they became like the coffee capital of like the world, right? And and now it's it's all over the place. Um, but Colombia is still known for their coffee production. And it's because they have the climate and they have the soil type and nutrients and everything to give themselves the the natural advantage of producing high quality coffee like year round I want to say um because of where they're at now imagine if <laughs> if uh someone went up to them and they said hey listen country of Colombia all coffee makers there you can't do that it's not fair to me over here in America 
to have to compete with you because in in the coffee production nobody wants to drink my coffee because yours is so much better yours is you produce yours so much better and and it's uh and you do it consistently and and you're you're doing it year round and i don't have that i don't have the type of controls for that and that's not fair you know like well what what do we tell that person um sorry like <laughs> that's tough nuts that's that's part of the game um and you know like you're not gonna there's not the marketplace and the the people who desire coffee do not care about that person and it's not because we think that they're a bad person or we want them to fail it's because when i buy my coffee i'm not buying my coffee to help somebody (laughs) other than me to wake up (laughs) that's it you know um so so artificially handicapping somebody's unfair advantage makes no sense to me you know why i'm a firm believer that you should absolutely optimize and take full advantage of every single unfair advantage that you have um and what you do with that what you do with your potential victories or increased victories because of that is on you you know you have the potential to do so much um and I don't want to necessarily hash out uh, what is un- what is unfair. Like I use this one example, right? I don't necessarily want to hash out like the morality of unfair and what is unfair and how is it unfair. Um, like information from friends that work in an industry, you know, if, if you know... Uh, um, I mean, and I'm not referencing like insider trading or anything, um, but if you know people who have opened up a restaurant and they know chefs and they've hired chefs and they work really well and you've always wanted to learn how to cook really well and you establish a relationship with them because you know them, like that's an unfair advantage. You have an unfair advantage of being able to cook better than other people because you knew the person that started this business that had that that was a restaurant who hired really good chefs and now you know them and now you have this unfair advantage that's not fair you shouldn't do that that's one that's one of the things i'm talking about um i mean even uh you know books that you've read you know uh and because you were recommend because they were recommended to you by a friend, like oh, I wish somebody would have recommended me to read that book. Um, you know, like what am I? What are we supposed to? do? What is an individual supposed to do about that? Like I, I chose to read this book. It was recommended by a friend. Um, and then, and then to one that I think people consistently look at with uh, great levels of disdain is uh, nepotism, right? So, um, family member connections, and so. Here's here's kind of my my take on a lot of this is that if you are very very frustrated with a system that promotes people um, and and promotes the the adoption of people or the the hiring of people based on who they know. And you're you're like you're not you're not a great fan of that. You're not a great fan of, of any of these things. You you have choices, right? You have options. One option is you could stand outside of the business with a bunch of people who have applied and were denied in uh you know like if thinking of this as from the person who has an unfair advantage, right? So I'm thinking about this from their perspective. So your uncle owns a bank and he says, yeah, man, you could, I can get you a job. You can work here. You want to, you want to work here? Like, yeah, it's fine. Come on in. And so you have a couple of options that you could, that you could take when you have this unfair advantage. You could say, no, uncle Rob, I'm not going to take that job. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. And he's like, no, man, it's fine. I'll, we'll train you. He's like, well, that's not fair. I'm only getting it because you know me. He's like, yeah, because you're family and I love you and I'm going to take care of you. And uh, you say, no, that's not moral. That's not right. And you go stand outside with a picket sign 
<laughs> and you're hooping and hollering from outside saying it's not fair shut them down <laughs> it's, we're, we're gonna go to the extreme other side right you don't just walk away you're you're so you you rage so hard that um you want to go stand on the side of what is right on the outside you know to you and so it's kind of for me this kind of goes back and ties into the idea of courage i don't think that risking nothing in the action of like protesting and this isn't anything to do specifically with with like protest like the protests that are happening now i'm just talking about um this is all goes back to the unfair advantages right so if you want to if you have a systemic problem if you have a if you have a problem with the system and you view that problem as being um systemically uh ridden so there's this business has a, a problem with the way that they hire people um but i have an in but i'm not going to take that because it's wrong i'm only getting in because of my family connections um so you could go rage outside, but what, my question, I guess, is kind of what, what good is that? And is that really courageous? You know, like, yeah, you didn't take a position. Um, and so that it, you know, it takes courage to, to deny that security. Um, but it's when you don't have a job. Or when you don't, when you when you have a job somewhere else, and and there's no fear of reprisal for going up and standing up to this company that you don't work for, then what what where is the courage here? It's not really courageous. Like sure, it's moral, um, but do you? I guess then we we go from what's effective. Right. Is is what you're doing effective? Um, whose mind are you trying to change and how are you trying to change it? Are you standing in the middle of a highway stopping traffic to get the point across that what's going on is serious and it needs to be changed? Because when you think about that, I mean, think about all the people that you're stopping from getting to work who are trying to provide for their families and you are you're you are the one preventing them from doing that right and so for me if, if i'm a person who's stuck in traffic because people are blocking off the street and i'm trying to get to work to provide for my family it's not gonna bring me over to your side man <laughs> like it's just not gonna do it um and so, and it's and i don't and the thing is like i don't even view it as courageous because i don't see it as you risking anything so it's not even like one it goes back to the idea of failing or competing admirably you're not winning and you're not competing admirably like there's not it's not if you were if you were putting something on the line i'd be like that's that's pretty admirable that's that's you know what maybe there's something to it but when you're just standing outside you know, posed as a victim, but with nothing to show for losses other than other people potentially not being hired. Um, it makes it makes me question. Is I don't I don't I don't necessarily see that as as terribly valid. Now, your another option you could take is actually taking the job, right? Choosing to assume that role, choosing to take it on, and once you're in learning and competing and being the best that you possibly can like really stepping into the position and looking at the person who makes the hiring decisions and say i'm gonna be better than you i'm gonna learn everything i know i'm gonna learn everything they know and i'm gonna learn everything you know i'm gonna learn all of that and i'm gonna be better than you are and i'm gonna take your job and maybe you'll get promoted out of the position like by the time that i'm eligible for it maybe you're out of it and guess who's guess who's making the decisions about new hires me and guess who how that's going to be made in the way that i think that's moral and just and i'm going to stand up to it and the whole way i'm going to be telling people you know like this is this is what i think this is what i believe i'm going to stand up to them from the inside i'm going to rage from inside of the machine while performing at a high level show them that i care about this and this is something that's holding you back now if we looked outside we looked at these people look at all these these eligible amazing employees now you're in a position where you can actually make change 
Who makes that change? Who makes that bigger change? You inside with the pen or you outside with the sign? Just something to think about, you know? It's it's the it goes back to that idea of of courageousness and it goes back to the idea of of winning and and more most importantly, I think more importantly than winning is competing admirably and that's really what this all comes down to um and that kind of brings me into the uh the kind of like the last point that i wanted to make here on the last subject i wanted to touch on and that is um every day i try to read a passage from um one of the great stoics of their time and epictetus is a is a common common subject for these discussions and um and this was a really interesting one because i mean as far as stoicism goes i'm pretty much i find myself pretty much always on board with what they got going on and um and um let's just let's go into it before i tell you like my full thoughts and and feelings i want to i don't want to um muddy the waters i'm gonna try you know what because i actually had some notes written up on this that uh were probably were almost certainly very subjective (laughs) very much very much the way that i view things and um what i want to do is i want to i want to try to change it to be as objective as possible right so the title of this was wish not want not and it's um epictetus is essentially saying that if the more that you desire the more you are left wanting right the more you desire the more you want and the worse off you're going to be um you spend your whole life wishing for that and hoping for that and wanting all of that and never um being content with what you have you do that and you're living a life that's less than. Um, you're not in control of you. Your desires are in control and, and all of your actions are tied around your desires and not around your happiness and your contentment. Um, I think that's the basic. I think I, that's probably as far as I can go with remaining objective. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna go off the rails um and uh and so let's say he says okay epictetus stated that any desire wealth fame fortune peace travel learning all debase and subjugate us as humans and that's like from the actual passage that may be a um a reflection of ryan holiday from uh the daily stoic on what epictetus was saying on the passage from this um diagnose diagnoses Diogenes <laughs> Greek uh, stated that it is a privilege of the gods to want not and godlike to want little. All right, so only gods cannot want anything. And it is only, we are only able to be godlike. Um, and that is, and it is if we're able to want, to want little. Um, and then Ryan Holiday, that's right, Ryan Holiday suggests, am I control of of them or are they in control of me? And so uh, I really had I had to sit with this for a little bit. Um, if you look at the people who have done amazing things, um, that have overcome obstacles and, and truly rose above to become like the cream of the crop, um, made their goal and their dream their higher purpose they served that goal um serving that goal is exactly what epictetus is saying debases us as humans um and what we should never do and it's it's god it's ungodly to do that um and so to me my initial knee-jerk reaction is so you're saying we should never strive for greatness we can never want to be great and take action in the pursuit of that. Would you know what you know had you not studied so much? You know, like these ideas weren't just given to you, Epictetus. Like you had to study um, and you had to learn, you had to live them. Uh, and you wouldn't have been able to do that if 
you held this to be true. Um, we embrace the nuance in this show and in this location, and so and as such, I can't I cannot sit on their side of the fence um, and say you should want you should not want anything that it's you need to remain godlike and 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 want as little as possible um, because I think that that debases yourself. Desire simply leads to to sub subjugation and wherever our heart is set um is where the impediment lies so no we will not sit on that side of the fence absolutely not um typically people that have come People, typically what we see is people that are like really successful have were not always very successful that they had to they had to overcome they had to they had to deal with obstacles um and and create create their wealth I mean we look at how many millionaires are are produced every day or that were being produced every day prior to covid in the United States alone and it was a lot um and to create something incredible truly changes your life by launching yourself and for these people for launching them out of poverty into a world of luxury and and professional and personal satisfaction um if if now if you're not careful and if it's not planned for on the front end you will likely self suffer the the tragedies that Epictetus is talking about, right? So if you're if you really invest yourself, and this is this is where I, I you know I do want to live in I do want to be in nuanced because well it would be easy for me to just say no that's dumb you need to pursue like if you're not pursuing your passions and you're not pursuing your dreams and goals then what's the what's the point like why are we here um, be better every day be better and and strive for something put a goal out there and go after it now. If you put everything else to the side and you're and you're laying waste to other people in in the wake and you're not respecting your relationships and and your time and the love and stuff like if you're putting your kids off to the side and your your relationships off to the side like that you're gonna you're gonna feel that later and so if you're not if you're if while in pursuit of these things in heavy pursuit of these things you're not considering that and you're not taking action to actually get yourself to that point of success while maintaining the relationships you're setting yourself up for failure like you will i mean i won't even say failure i'll just say you're setting yourself up for the natural consequences of the lack of attention on those other items which would be divorce estrangement loss of friendships um your physical well-being diminished you know and whatever that means to you with bmi blood pressure whatever you know like those things will go down if you're not giving them their proper due this is why you should absolutely place desire and wants on things you know and by things i don't mean like things i don't mean like a phone you know <laughs> or like a house like on your on your passions on your desires you should you should have those you should be passionate you should be pursuing something um if you do not place your aim on a target You'll never accomplish anything, anything of note. Um, I don't mean like for the history books. Like we're not trying to. If you want to make history, then that that can be your goal. You know, it's not for me. Um, what what I mean is that you go through life, you'll never having accomplished anything. Um, you will never have experienced the feeling of having an idea, of researching what it takes to make it happen, taking massive action towards it, overcoming obstacles, and fighting to the very end where you feel that satisfaction through being grateful, right? That's like, it's tied together. You don't get satisfaction without gratitude. Um, you know, and, and you're, you're satisfied because you were grateful for those, for all of the aspects that had to go into this. Um, you know, when you give those things the time, when you give your spouse the time and energy during that time, they're going to give it back. And that's something that you can be grateful for. And when you're reflecting back, then it's, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that, that I'm, that I made time for, for her, 
you know, and that I made sure that she was a priority and she felt that. And so because of that, then she gave it back to me. And I'm so grateful that I'm with a person, with a partner that would do that, that would that would acknowledge my goals and give me the, the space to do it and feed back into it and allow me to feed back into her. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. But you've got to... You've, the thing here is that you've got to view yourself as like the, the full person. In the military, they started adopting the like the 360 degree self, the 360 degree soldier or whatever. Um, you don't want the 100 degrees of this goal to diminish the 260 degrees of the rest of your life. You're a full person with many aspects um, that need value, that need your value. Um, do you want to continue to run that business for the next 30 years? I mean, you probably want to manage, support, and take positive action towards your physical, emotional, physical and emotional self like yesterday, starting like yesterday, right? Because that's, that's crucial. Um, you're not going to be able to stay in it, in the game, fighting for that long um, and, and at a high level if you're not taking care of the 360-degree self. Um, and the same goes with any aspect of your life. Um, that may be uh, commanding too much of your time or attention, you know, like even your marriage. Your marriage might be commanding too much time um, uh, for you. And, and and it's not to say that you need to spend time away <laughs> from your spouse. I'm just saying that, like, it's we want to work on living a life where we're not resenting people and resenting things. And so... We want to make sure that we're giving things their proper time and their proper love and care and attention and all the way across the board. So professional, physical, personal, you know, all of these different aspects. That's, th that is what I'm saying. So work hard, bust your butt and put your soul into it. Don't do it mindlessly. Don't put your nose to the grindstone. You know, like it's it's easier to put your it, and honestly, it is. It's easier to do that. It's easier to put your whole self into something than to plan and hold yourself accountable to be a full person. So you're actually taking advantage. Like if you're just put yourself all into one thing, like you can do that. I'm like oh, I don't care. Like I'm gonna eat whatever's here, whatever's easiest. It's gonna be fast food for the next three months. You know, like it's gonna be awful. You're gonna you're gonna pay. I'm gonna sleep three hours a night. And guess what? That one thing that you're doing that you're putting the energy into it's going to turn out pretty good i bet <laughs> but everything else is going to sacrifice right um so i just i ask you know are you the one to step up onto the tightrope to make the walk right to between and it's it's hard it's difficult is are you going to be the one to step up and to to thread the needle of of this of of not giving up what you love but pursuing it and not not letting the important other aspects of your life fall to the wayside because you're focused on one thing, you know, that's not threading the needle, threading the needle and walking the tightrope. You're keeping the balance, right? That's the idea when you're walking the you're keeping the balance of all of the different aspects of your life. And to make it from one side to the other, you have to maintain that balance. And that means sometimes you shift a little to the right, shift a little to the left, but you maintain the balance. Not everything is always perfect, you're walking and you're stepping. And as you're stepping, your your attention shifts from foot to foot. You're not moving both feet at the same time. You have to choose. You have to pay attention. Where is something going to fall? And you don't know that if you're not paying attention. And I think that's what Epictetus was getting at. And I think that that's trying to bring it back full circle. I think that that's why it, um, that's why the importance of that, of admirably competing is is crucial because at the end of your life people will respect you for walking the tightrope far more than they'll respect you for for putting yourself into that that 100 degrees and forgetting everything else so compete admirably
And if you do that, I, I will be here for you guys, man. I'll be here for you every week. And I can't wait to see you guys again next week. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, and I hope that you guys have a great weekend. And we'll talk soon.